0: It's the Happen to Your Career podcast, episode 202.
1: Things just really weren't going well. I was just really struggling to feel like I was doing a good job at what I did. I was struggling to reconcile like what I wanted. Quickly found myself really feeling really depressed. I was in my early 20s, just married, and it became pretty clear, like, this isn't a good fit for me, but it was the only thing that I knew.
2: This is the Happen to Your Career Podcast with Scott Barlow.
1: We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and make it happen.
2: We help you define the work that's unapologetically you, and then go get it. If you're ready to make a change, keep listening. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Here's Scott.
0: This is Scott Anthony Barlow, and you are listening to Happen to Your Career, the show that helps you figure out what work fits you by exploring other stories. We get to bring on experts like Melody Wilding, who teaches people that boundaries and hard conversations can lead to a much more meaningful and happy career. Or people that have really amazing stories, like Cesar Ponce de Leon, who left the legal industry to work for a nonprofit by figuring out his strengths and values and by learning that building relationships is a better alternative than blindly throwing resumes out there to get that new position these are people that are just like you they've gone from where they are to what they really want to be doing Today's guest is Dan Cumberland
1: I am a blogger and podcaster that's usually like the the quick the quick response the the the, the slightly longer version is, I help people figure out what to do with their lives, um, help people align who they are with what they do. And I do that through podcasting, blogging, and creating online tools for people. Um, so that's usually where we're all kind of trail off. If people, you know, if people are still interested, I'll also talk about, um, the fact that my wife and I have a photography company. That's an, another project that, that, um, that I have going on, we shoot weddings and families and that kind of thing. So I kind of have a couple different, couple different irons in the fire. Uh, but that's the the one that we're here to talk about is really that that first one. How do we figure out um, what to do with our lives? How do we find the intersection of of work and and meaning?
2: Going to sleep, waking up, and just going through a brutal job and. Weekends being crazy short and Sunday being like, oh, I gotta go to work again on Monday.
0: (laughs) Eric was a burnt-out engineer who wanted to move several states away to be able to find a career in a company that he absolutely loved.
2: It seemed like getting a really awesome job was really hard to do.
0: Listen for Eric's story later on in the episode to learn how he used coaching to be able to make a change to a job that he loved.
2: I got the confidence to believe that making a transition like this could happen, which is huge.
0: This is a really interesting episode. Dan and I talk about how the voices from people like parents and friends and family and others in your life can actually shape who you are and what you do, both positive and negative. And then, and then we actually talk about what to do about that too, because I think we all know that to some degree, but really, what do you do about it? And... It, How to take control of your life by using practical steps, not just any steps, but practical steps to become aware of your positive and negative narratives about your work. And then also how to identify what meaning looks like in your terms and your own life, because meaning is this really big, comprehensive, ambiguous difficult to dissect word that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people so we actually break that down and (laughs) talk about what having a meaningful career a meaningful life can look like for you and how to actually make that happen pretty pretty cool get into some deep stuff there i think that you'll like that quite a bit and learn a little bit about yourself too and if there isn't just one thing out there for you and there doesn't have to be too so dan provides a little bit of guidance on what you should be looking for in that area and and how to think about that differently too. Also, even if you love finding the best pizza, that can actually guide you to an underlying theme in your quest for meaning. You'll see what I mean. Take a listen. It's about, it's about like halfway through.
1: Just before we hit the record button, you were saying how uh, you, you like the long story, and I'm kind of a sucker for the long story as well, and uh, hope to not not tell too long of a version of that story. Um, but but I'd love love to share some of that, and also just to kind of preface, uh, listeners, you know, we're talking about these big big topics that you know existential topics, if you will. But uh, but I really hope. You know, my goal is to to, to um, really bring these bring these to home, um, th- these ideas, you know, close to home and give you some some solid takeaways um, so that you're not just left in an existential depression or funk of some sort <laughs> at the end of this conversation, <laughs> but that you have some really cool, great practical tools and next steps to take. Um, so before we get there, yeah, let's talk about let me share some of my story Um and really I want to start, I'm going to go way back and I don't know if this Let's is go where, way back. we're going to go way back. Let's so go we're going back. to rewind. Uh, and I think the best way to understand me is to understand is a little bit to understand, um, my, the, my family, my context. Um, my father was an electronic engineer. My mother was an accountant. My brother is a computer programmer. Um, and he knew from the time he was 12, um, That he wanted actually probably before twelve that he wanted to be a programmer. Um, He's my my older brother just the two of us in my family, and um, I think it just worked really well with the way that my family thought about life and work, Um, very much left-brained left-brained family um, in in a lot of ways, and I was really interested in in music in, uh, at one point I wanted to be an actor and like in like junior high and, um, yeah, in high school, if, if you asked me what I wanted to do, I would tell you, I wanted to be a rock star. Um, and awesome. my family, I think they just didn't really, I, I just didn't quite fit into the frameworks of, of, um, of work and, and career. And so the question of what, what should I do, um, well, you know the the model that I had to follow was my my brother's footsteps, which was very, very linear from a very young age. you 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 know decided he wanted to program computers. The next step in that process is that he graduated um, college early. Um, got his um, master's early and got a job and has been at that same company for you know uh, fifteen years now. Um, which know is almost that sounds yeah, so much easier than my life. I know, <laughs> I know. Um, it's almost unheard of today, right? To yeah, have that yeah. that kind of straightforward of a path and that was just the path that was you know I I saw and like how it was supposed to work and so then I was having a very different experience, um, was kind of pushed along in the, in that direction by my family. Like, Hey, you should take, you know, you should t- take some, uh, computer science classes. And I did those and they were, they were fine. But like I said, I was really much more interested in, in um, creative endeavors, um, in art and music. Um, was really interested in photography. Um, but I had to struggle, like, what should I, <laughs> you can't make, can't, can't make money at music, can't make money at, um, at art. That's the, those are the stories that, um, that we're told. And we'll come back to that idea of, of, stories that are told and, and that you, your family or, or your world tells you about, about work. Um, and so I just felt really lost for a long time, ended up going to um, a ministry school. Um, church was a big part of my big part of my, uh, my life. Um, and, um, went to yeah study, studied ministry and music, um, and became a youth pastor. And within just a few months of being in that job, um, things just really weren't going well. Um, I was just really, struggling to feel like what I was doing, like I was doing a good job at what I did. I was struggling to, um, reconcile like what I, what, what I wanted and what I hoped for, you know, from my students and from, um, the church with, you know, expectations of, of other you know people on staff at the church and, um, parents and just a lot of politics and, um, quickly found myself uh, just really feeling really depressed. And I think a big part of that also is kind of this breakdown, you know, without getting (laughs) too, too out there, but like theologically of like what I thought, you know, life and and spirituality was about. And it just wasn't, wasn't working. Um, I was in my, um, early twenties, just married and, um, it became pretty clear like this, this isn't, this isn't a good fit for me, but it was the only thing that I knew. Um, and, and the only thing that, that, like made sense to me. And, and, and at that time I would have verbalized it as saying that I, I thought that God had called me to, to ministry, to be a youth pastor. And so, um, spent a long time in that space of, well, I don't know what to do with my life. This isn't working, but I don't know what, what my options are. I feel really stuck. I didn't feel like I could just quit my job and just, you know, get whatever job. Um, I felt a lot of, um, a lot of pressure, um, to have a career, to, um, to, you know, do something that's like, you know, noteworthy. Um, what, what caused that pressure for you? Yeah, that's a, a great question. I think a lot of it came from, um, just came from my, my still feeling like the, the example of my family, you know, my, my family has, you know, again, my brother, you know, hit the example of, of his linear path my dad had a very similar path. He worked the same job for 25 years until he took an early retirement. And then, um, because of downsizing and then got another job again in aerospace at a different company and worked there until he retired. So it's just like, you do one thing and that's what you do. And I just, there's just so much pressure for me. I felt so much pressure to find like, what's that one thing? What's that one thing that that's, that's my thing. And started, uh, just talking to anyone that I could get their ear about how do we, how do we answer these questions? I'm, and, um, I'm just really struggling. And, um, I went on this retreat, um, with a a coach, um, which is a, a super small retreat. There's like four of us in the room. And we had us, he had us map out, um, you know, just talk through like the last year or so of our lives. And, um, and everyone kind of would take a turn and then give some feedback and I, I, you know, had my turn in front of the, the small group and, um, kind of talked through all these things. And then it was just kind of like silence after, and I was talking about all the things, you know, just the struggles with, um, with the youth ministry and, and, um, all of that was going on there. Was it a good
0: silence or? And it was a <laughs> hard a weighty silence. silence.
1: Yeah, it was a weighty silence. They were just like, kind of just, everyone's just, just sitting there. And then it was like, like a, uh, <laughs> the first thing that was said is the coach, he said, uh. Who who told you that you needed to be a youth pastor? Uh, at first, it like really made me mad. Like no one told me. Uh, <laughs> I did this myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it took it took a long time for me to really unravel that question. Yeah. Um, but but it really struck me that like whatever whatever I had just like shared with the room um, made him ask that question. Was there was definitely something in my story in my life that was. Um, Showing that was show, showing him that, um, that this wasn't a good fit and that there was some other reason that I was in this, in this space, you know, and now looking back years later, I, I can, I can, I can easily point out that, uh, you know, my youth pastor, uh, was, was the one who told me, and that there are a number of conversations about what to do with my life, uh, when, when, you know, work and and different kinds of things that like now, like have really come into, come into focus, uh, where, he really lived in this worldview where like ministry was the only, uh, valuable thing that you can do, um, in, in, with, with your life. Um, and, uh, so the the answer, you know, answer to that, it took a while to emerge, but uh, I feel like, like that kind of put me down this path of, of asking this question of, um, who, like, how did I get here? And then how do I get out of this space as I as that, you know, began to come into focus for me um, and I started to realize just how much I've been shaped by some of these, you know, some voices in my life, whether it be my family um, or or my youth pastor growing up um and even some, you know, college professors. Uh, and all of these people like have good, have had good intentions and many of them have shaped me for good. And so I don't want to just like paint every everyone in this story with a broad brush of being really negative. Um, but that these are some of the, the negative ways that, um you know, the, that they've had, you know, some of the negative impacts that they've had. Um, but I started asking these questions. So how do we, how do we, if this, if there isn't a map, there isn't a way to figure out like easy way to to answer these questions, but there has to be some way to answer these questions. Um, so I started just exploring. So how do we, how do we figure this out? How do we help people, um, with these big questions of, of life, work, meaning identity in this big messy intersection between all these ideas. Um, and ended up going to grad school specifically with that question in mind, um, studied, um, theology and psychology, um, really with an emphasis on culture and personal formation to help understand, help me understand how we become who we are, how meaning is shaped in our lives and in our story. And then, um, you know, the, the most important question I think for all the listeners is so, so then, then what do you do about it? So that's like the, uh, <laughs> the now the, what? Yeah. Yeah. The now what question? Um, <laughs> so that's the that's the 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 medium length version of my story and what's got got you know what's brought me here after grad school um pretty quickly started the meaning movement my um my blog um started working with clients one-on-one started with just a few people that i that i knew and that um, had questions and started coaching them um you know and forming a process around you know a lot of the the studies that i had done and putting that into into practice um in a helpful progression
0: let let me ask you about The negative impacts by well-intentioned people. And I'll I'll preface the question a little bit here. I, you know, I heard you mentioned your youth pastor and it seems like maybe there were some other influences too, where, uh, where we, I think as human beings, if we're not careful, have a tendency to say to other people and recommend to other people that our way is the way that you should go. And <laughs> yeah. I'm super curious. Uh, one, um, what what you recommend people, how you recommend people actually take a look at that and, yep. and pull themselves out from that? Because I mean, there's, I can think of plenty of people in my life where I care about them and I care about their feedback and I care about whatever else. But honestly, <laughs> the way that they went, shouldn't have anything to do with the way that I go. Totally. And if so, what, what do you, how do you recommend people deal with that or even think about that or even remove yeah. themselves from that?
1: Totally. And I can't help like hearing that question as a, as a parent, I have a almost two year old and like, just knowing that like, <laughs> like how do I, as a parent, like parent in a way that, um, isn't imposing you know imposing my will my my preferences on my son as he as he grows up because we all you know yes. there's always two sides of, of every coin like every you know with along with every good intention um impact um, there's the possibility of of, of a negative impact uh, but to, to to go back to that to the question of what do you do about it um I, here's some like super practical super practical advice the first thing that you have to do is just become aware of it and the and there's a handful of different ways that you can do that but i'd recommend just get out a piece of paper and then just start like just brainstorming, just brain dump. Like, w- like what are the stories? What are the rules? I think thinking about it in terms of rules, I think is a helpful, can be a helpful category. What are the rules that you have for yourself around or feel whether, you know, you, you say it's for yourself or not around, uh, around work and around, um, what you do and don't do, uh, around who you are. And just brain dump it all onto a piece of paper. Don't judge. Just get it all. Just get it all out in front of you. And you also, you know, I think money is also an important because that's always a part of work is money. Um, and just get it all on a piece of paper. And then after you have, you know, a big list. So first you start with the list. Then you go back through and then, as much as you can, put uh, names next to each of those uh of those those items that you wrote and those could be um names of people they could be ideologies they could be cultures they could be institutions we're all sh- we're shaped by all these all the different influences in our in our lives and so as much as as you are able if you ha- as you go through um to put to assign like where did that come from that's the question that you want to ask where did that story where did that rule where did that narrative come from and as you do that, and some will be really hard. Some, and you know, for some people, the first time you, you do an exercise like this, you might not be able to tell any, you know, where any of these came from. But just by by doing it, just by even just writing it down, you're starting to um, shape shape your understanding of of your own narrative and your own story. And so, so first you write, you brainstorm, then you assign names um, to each of them. And then finally, you just go through and put a circle around the ones that are good, that are positive. And then put an X next to the ones that are keeping you stuck. And I think, you know, what the reason the reason for that is that there are both positive and and negative um, experiences, rules, rules. stories. And so by doing that, you're able to just kind of do a little bit of sorting. That's a very subjective, uh, very, that's a very subjective step. You know, what are the ones that are good and what are the ones that are not, not good, but you'll have a pretty clear sense of the things that, um, are personally harmful or, or, um, you know, keeping you at a place that's not healthy for you when it comes to your work and when it comes to your identity. Um, and I think that's a really, can be a really liberating process, even just that first step of getting them all on paper. Um, I find it to be super super liberating for um, for the people that I work with because many of us have never taken the time to actually start sorting through um, through that story um our being our story our story around around work
0: this is this is super helpful. I've actually done this in a variety of different ways um and for different purposes too uh, yeah. because I think that we develop these narratives or stories or perceptions or expectations around Every area of life, not just early, just work. Shoot, Alyssa and I um, even did this with our our marriage. Actually, when we were working with uh, when we were working with a, a therapist a while back, and awesome. It was it was super impactful because we both had a ton of stuff. But um,
1: totally, oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. I, I think in all of life, you know, yeah, marriage, um, like. And any, any of these, these parts of life that like take a big commitment, we have so much expectation around what that's supposed to look like. And especially when there's a partnership involved and two people are bringing different expectations to the table, it can get messy. Totally.
0: Oh yeah. So this is, this is super interesting. And first of all, thank you for running through that. And here's the other takeaway that I'm, I'm personally taking away as well is when you do that and when you do those initial steps, you begin to create that awareness and then (laughs) then i know from just studying lots and lots of psychology that until you have that first level of awareness you can't even be able to hope to in mid conversation as you're being able to get, as people are telling you, Hey, I really think that you should do this. I really think that you'd be good yes. at this. I really think that like, until you get that first stage of awareness that it's, uh, that is coming in where things are coming from, then you can't hope to have that second stage of awareness where as it's happening, you can then look at it externally and say, yeah, that would be really good for me. Or no, that's not
1: really good for me. That's more them projecting
0: their their thing for me or whatever. Yes,
1: one hundred percent. And just another another word about that. I think just the important of the importance of language. And this is you know to get even a little bit philosophical about language, that that language shapes the language we use to describe something shapes our experience of it. And you might ex- you might know that you know uh, Scott that I, I live in Seattle and love coffee. Um and uh, ha- I have had a few times done done some coffee tastings where you you yes. you know do a side by side comparison of uh, of of a few different roasts. Maybe they're, they're beans from the same, from the same region, but different altitudes, all these different things. And then you talk about what you're tasting with the people that you're doing it with. And it's such a, such an interesting experience. Um, I've, I've heard coffee tasting, um, described as trying to remember the license plate number of that car that just drove by like you're like, I I didn't really look at it, but I can kind of like almost remember it. But it's like, (laughs) I just can't quite put my finger on it. But what you find is as people are like, oh yeah, there's this, these, uh, you know, kind of berry flavors in this, in this coffee. And all of a sudden you're, those like kind of come into like into focus for you. Like, oh yeah, there is like a berry flavor. And then someone else like, yeah, it's kind of like a, like a, a blueberry. You're like, oh, it is like a blueberry. And so as you're like putting language to this, this experience, this, these tastes that you're, experiencing, it begins to, it begins to shape your, your, how you experience those those tastes. And the same thing is, is, is exactly true with your narrative, with your story uh, around work, around, around marriage, as as you mentioned, Scott, um, and around yourself, as you begin to do this work of putting language to the rules that you've experienced and where they've come from, even if it's super vague at first, it shapes the way you think about it. And it gives you the ability to access it more as you're, as you're saying, and in conversations with people, you can do that filtering of, is this for me or is this not for me? Because you've Done that work of putting putting language to to your experience.
0: That is that is amazing, and would absolutely co-sign on that in terms of what I've seen in <laughs> in reality. Plus, I super appreciate the <laughs> the coffee example to be able <laughs> to get there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Oh,
0: that that one hits for me on so many levels.
1: <laughs> good, good, good.
0: <laughs> okay, so let me let me ask you a few questions about this. You know, diving yep. diving into into some of these different areas. I totally agree that unless you're unless you're having awareness to where some of these things are coming from then it's going to be very very difficult to be able to move from that to create your own to create your own narrative uh, your yep. own version of of these things combined together and what is actually good for you and what you determine is actually going to be good for you versus what is just uh what you've grown up around or experienced yep. or anything else that just happens to be embedded mm-hmm. as a part of you mm-hmm. um now h- here's what I'm Here's what I'm curious a little bit about that, though. How do you go from there to being able to identify what uh, what meaning can look like in your yeah. own life? And mm. I know that's a that's a huge question, but I'd just like to kind of yeah nip around uh, the fringes a little bit here for, I for think a bit and break this down. No,
1: I think that that's a super important question. Yeah. So I think, you know, really that, that work of, of identifying and, and identifying those, those voices, I really think of that as like creating space, like that you're, you're freeing up, freeing up, almost like, you know, clearing, clearing the table so that you can really start to, to think about what you want to have on the table. Um, and so after, you know, you do that work, what I, uh what i i think well i think there's a few things kind of preliminary first is we need to first talk about what 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 meaning means <laughs> uh what what we mean when we talk about about meaning this can gonna get uh, real
0: confusing real quickly get, we're gonna get real deep
1: <laughs> don't 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 get scared everyone don't get scared we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do this hang tight uh, okay so what meaning means yeah, and then and then um, talk about how you're experiencing that already in in your life. And so let me just go back to, to what, what what meaning means. So um, <laughs> i such a, I've never said it like that before. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, when we talk about about work and meaning, we're talking about about uh, about impact. We're talking about agency. We're talking about identity. We're talking about what is fulfilling for you. When it comes to utilizing your agency, your agency meaning your ability to impact change on the world around you. So, what is a fulfilling way for you to utilize your agency um, in in the world? And so, that's a super abstract, super abstract um, uh, definition. But let me let me um, keep keep working on this with you. So, what that means is that when work, what makes work meaningful, isn't isolated to the realm of your job, but it's it's a a more broad theme of of meaning and of impact in your life so the things that 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 you find fulfilling the places where you find purpose outside of of work outside of a job have a lot to do with what you find fulfilling inside have a job. So after we've cleared out the space on the table to start thinking about, so what does meaning look like? We need to start thinking about where are the places in my life that I have already experienced meaning, um, both past and present because everyone is, everyone is doing something somewhere in their life. Even if it's just this little tiny thing on the margin, um, that they love that they, that they really believe in. Um, and so you need to start looking at what are some of those things even before you start talking about what your job is, what your dream job is, um, where you want to go next, what's the what's the you know the career change that you want to make. Uh, I recommend that you start by thinking about where where are the places that you are already um, doing things that you find really fascinating, fun, fulfilling that you get lost in. All of those are great great categories. And then as you start to see some of that come into focus you'll start to see that they're very connected. And I think even people who do a lot of different things, you know, I've talked about at the beginning, you know, of this conversation, I'm also a photographer. Um, in addition to doing this work, like even if you're doing um, uh, a lot of different things, if you're um, that, what's that word that um, Emily, um, what's her, uh, I, I'm drawing a blank on her name. Emily Wapnick. Yep, that's yeah, the one. she's
0: a good friend. Uh, she's yes. really popularized the multi potentialite word.
1: Exactly, exactly. And so my my assumption is that a, a multi potentialite, as as Emily uh, has has uh, phrased it, is someone who's doing a lot of different things that they aren't as disconnected as they might seem on the surface. So that the beneath the surface um, of of whatever those, um, desperate, um, things are disconnected, things are, there's more going on that are really connected, um, to who a person is, the impact and the impact that they, they want to have. So to start looking at, at all of these different areas where you're experiencing meaning, where you're finding fulfillment, where you're finding purpose, and then asking the question, what do these have in common? And, um, and what, how are these, how are these connected? Um, and so I think, you know, that's where we get really tripped up when it comes to words like calling or vocation like these big words like I got to find that one thing like I experienced and uh, and articulated earlier about you know I thought I was supposed to be a youth pastor and when I when it wasn't working for me I didn't know what to do because I had to find that one thing that one thing isn't somewhere out there and you have to find it it's much closer in and it has to do with who you are and what uh what's what the the impact is that you that you desire to make in the world
2: grinding me to a pulp
1: That's Eric Murphy. We asked him what life was like before
2: he made the change to his new career. Sounds exaggerated, but that's how it felt sometimes.
0: Okay, it was pretty obvious that Eric wanted to make a change, right? But he didn't have a lot of time, and his job took a lot of
2: energy out of him. Weekends being crazy short, and Sunday being like, oh, I gotta go to work again on Monday.
0: (laughs) And that's exactly why Eric hired our team to help him make this change much, much
2: easier. I think one of the biggest benefits of... Having in career coaching is when you're dealing with offers, et cetera, when you're in the thick of job searches, it's good to be able to email or text or call you to say, hey, like this situation popped up. How would you handle it? That's also extremely useful. And a lot of your techniques, for example, writing handwritten Nike notes to everyone that you have conversations with, I wouldn't have thought of that. It made a massive impression. When guy made me the offer, he had the handwritten thank you note in his hand. And it was like, this is very great. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was really cool.
0: Congratulations to Eric on making the change to a career that he absolutely loves. If you want to make the change to a career that fits you and pays you more, find out how coaching can help you step by step. Go over to happen to your career.com and click on coaching to be able to apply. Or you can text my coach, that's M Y coach, to 44222. That's my coach to 44222 two, two, two pause right now. And we'll send over your application. See you there. This is an area that I've found in working with people. And as our teams worked with people that people get very, very caught up. So I want to make sure that we're, yeah. we're pretty clear here. And I'm super curious as to some of what you've seen too, uh, because, yeah. because you're, you're dealing with this all the time and you're in the space. So I'm going to nerd out here for a second, but, Great. um, I've observed that when people start to go through that, Mm -hmm. And they start to create that, that list, you know, what, what's essentially what's working already, or what are the areas that they're finding enjoyment or meaning or anything else uh, already, they start to get that list and they're like, okay, golf. And I, (laughs) I'm enjoying golf and I've got like, ah, I love creating mixtapes and I love, (laughs) and they've got this thing, uh, this list, like big laundry list. And they start to, um, start to look at that and ask that question, what do these have in common? And I have found that for at least 50 50ish percent of the people that uh, we've worked with that that initial step to try and go from hey mixtapes and golf clearly <laughs> clearly there's <laughs> tons in common there um yep. that that's very very difficult for people. So one I'm curious what you've seen that helps people get past that and then two mm-hmm. I would I would point out here be a, carefully point out that often it might not just be one layer below the surface it might be two three four five layers below the surface in order to figure out where that commonality is so what what uh lay it on me. I'm super curious. What yeah. You've experienced oh, that's
1: a great, that's a great question. Yeah. And I've, I've definitely heard that before, you know, comments on blog posts when I'm talking about this kind of thing and people are like, well, I like pizza, video games and sleeping. What should I do with my life? <laughs> I'm like, "Hi, right. I mean, those you should are be a teenager. <laughs> yeah, exactly, Forever. Um, which is like, there's, there's, I think that there's an important, um, it's important to note that like when we're, when we're talking about desire and talking about what, what you, what you like and enjoy, um, that, that it requires work. And I think that's where the word agency is really important. Um, though you can use a different word if, if you want, but it's really applying, applying yourself fully to something. So where the, what, where are the, the, the things that, what are the things that you've done where you've really had to work for it and, and you enjoyed it? So what are the projects? Maybe it was even back in college or or high school where you, you know, had a group project and you just like took the bull by the horns and wrestled it to the ground. Um, and we're really proud of that. Um, where what and and uh, I think of it as a uh, well in my in my house growing up we had. a a bookshelf in our living room and on top of the bookshelf we'd put all of our our sports trophies we played i played soccer you know all through ayso from start to finish and um every year you get a participation trophy so i I had many of those those little little trophies yeah Uh, but every every once in a while our team did really well we got like a bigger trophy and then once i got into high school i did track and field and had some medals for that we'd put all them on this shelf um and i think of like Think of that as a great metaphor for um, for this this the part this part of the process. Or what are the trophy experiences? What are the trophy moments? The trophy projects? The things that you've done that you look back on and say, "I'm I'm really proud of that. I did something there." And it's not not necessarily an outward achievement. Like it doesn't have to be like, "Well, I you know got a big promotion or you know whatever it might be." It might be just you know I had this project at work um, and you know, I, I was doing it with a couple coworkers. They weren't very invested in it, but I really like really nailed it. And no one really recognized that, but I am really proud of the work that I did there. So it's very much an internal um, compass that, uh, of, of orientation that, that you should use um, to guide you there. Um, but I think that that's a a helpful metaphor to think through. So, what are the things you know beyond beyond golf and and mixtapes? And maybe you work really hard at golf. and if you're if you're golfing at a you know a very high level, then I think there's something there to that. Maybe it's the challenge. Maybe it's the competition. Maybe it's just the honing of a skill over time. But there's more to it than just, Oh, it's fun, um, and the same with mixtapes. Like it, maybe maybe you just make mixtapes for your friends, or maybe you spend like days and days making every mixtape so every transition is perfect and every like that it creates just the perfect ambiance the perfect mood and if that's the case then there is then there is something there and so you have to do a little bit of that parsing out we want to look beneath like it's just a diversion just something that I do just so I don't have to do you know don't have to think or don't have to work or whatever it might be versus something that you're really applying yourself to and I think that's a really important um a characteristic that we're looking for. Okay.
0: So here's what I, here's what I think I'm hearing you say. I'm going to uh, try and articulate it right. back and you can tell me am my way off base or not. So I th- <laughs> I think I'm hearing you say that, um, you know, it's, it's not necessarily what those things are on the surface. It is, um, the, uh, um, the, why you love it or what is it that you huh. love about it or, uh, or what you're enjoying it or why you were proud of it or those things, uh, w- Often we'll we'll call that the the context, the surrounding. What is the what is the context around it? So if I love pizza, which I do love pizza, and I have, um, (laughs) I have I've come on this quest now where I am trying to find. I'm trying to top each each pizza experience. We had amazing, (laughs) amazing pizza at the uh, uh, in France of all places. Actually, France just has amazing food in general. But they had this, uh, uh, you know, Italian place, and it's not like the thing that I love about, uh, about trying to find the, the world's best pizza at this point is not, um, it's not about the pizza even so much. Like if I dig yeah. two, three layers under the surface, it's because I love, I love the challenge of discovering something new and mm. the exploring that goes along with that and the being able to envision. Now the that bad yep. side of that is now I can't eat at Papa Murphy's anymore. It's just like, <laughs> I just, I don't, it doesn't even sound good, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry to all the Papa Murphy's fans out there, but. Well, <laughs> oh, I, we just lost their sponsorship.
1: <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I think that's a great, uh, just a fantastic example, Scott, because I imagine that, that, you know, that desire to, to create an experience to explore, to, to find, you know, find like, like I I hear in that like your quest for more that there's always more like there's there's always a better pizza you just have to find it um, like I it's think that <laughs> yeah that, that shapes that shapes your work I think that shapes uh, how how you build your business I think that shapes um, how you interact with with the clients and um, that that you work with and the and the experiences that you shape for them that there's more that you can um, that you're calling people to that that they don't have to just settle for a job that you know that's bad and I think like. You know that's you know again a few layers beneath the surface, but I definitely see that in your desire, your quest for for the best pizza. Um, that even in that, there's there's a theme, um, a theme of of meaning and significance for you. Interesting, I hadn't thought about it that way, but I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, Ooh, nice. So there you go. I like now, in now action. You can, in action. Now you can justify your pizza quest. <laughs> Woohoo!
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Okay. So where, where,
0: where do we go from here then? So now we've got, uh, we've got this initial, initial list of work that is potentially meaningful. We've started to break it down and evaluate the, the, what it is that's great about it or why we love it or that context. And then what, what happens from there?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's that's the that's the question. Um and I hope I hope um we haven't lost everyone in the uh philosophical um ponderings. <laughs> but um but what you but so as you begin to like th- have these connections? This this is the kind. These are kind of the themes around my work. the the next The next step is to start experimenting. And I think that's a, a place where people kind of get lost in this step of the process. And I imagine Scott that you, you see this as well with with clients. That you can um, spend your whole time. You know, people are really happy to like. It's really natural and easy to just spend time um, philosoph- philosophizing, um, wondering about you know. Well, I have just got to find my one thing before I go and do anything about it. Um, but just just you know, having these conversations are really important, but they're, but they're just the, the first, the first step towards, towards action and they have to put it into action. And so if you're, you know, realizing like, I'm always doing this thing where like with, with people where we're creating some sense of community or bond or like there's something special that happens that I like to facilitate with other people. And so then the question is, so how, how have you done that in your work? So if you're, you you know, at your current job, is there a space where you're doing that? Maybe it's just once a month at like a, a team meeting. Maybe it's just with certain projects, whatever it might be. Where are the places that you're already doing it? And can you lean in to those and see what that's like, um, and if not at your job, then what are what are, what's a move that you can make that would allow you to step into that more fully? And you have to treat it like an experiment. And I I I, I take this step very very seriously. And it, you know if you're conducting a scientific experience experiment, it's very very objective. And so you you put on your science your scientist uh, sci- scientist uh, hat or scientist wear hats. Yeah, we, we've I helped a lot of scientists hats. that yeah, have come to us. Yeah, someone could just someone could just write me and tell me if scientists wear hats. That would be,
0: I, I, I don't think you know. any of them that I know wear
1: wear hats. <laughs> How about a lab coat? Please correct
0: us if you're wrong. Get on your yeah, <laughs> scientists. Like,
1: scientists wear whatever they want to like, wear. These, <laughs> you guys, I wear Levi's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, scientists, so put on le- scientists, scientists scientist pants. pants. <laughs> yes, and and then think of yourself as a like as a lab rat, for lack of a better better term. And so so what happens when you put when you take scott out of this context that he's in and put him into this other context where he gets to do a little bit more of this this thing with people where he gets to facilitate some sort of of deeper interaction um and and then as as you go out and start doing that whether that be just leaning into the ways that you're already doing it at your job or um making a transition to a place where you can do it outside of your job or even just um you know maybe not changing jobs yet but you're um leaning into some sort of content like some sort of context where you get to do more of that what does it feel like and how does that shape your understanding of that thing that bit of purpose fulfillment in your life because you have to do it in practice and that's where i think the the, the rubber hits meets the road in a lot of ways you can't just live in like in your in your mind and in your head you have to see how this feels to actually be doing it. And then as you do that, then you take whatever the, the outcome of that experiment is, and then you let that shape how you, um, how you think about yourself and your work and what's meaningful for you. That is awesome. That's awesome for a a few different reasons. And
0: I'm not just saying that, although I like to use the word awesome, but I am saying that because it helps people think about this a little bit differently because, uh, I also have found that people struggle a little bit like well now what like how do I really know how do I really know if this is a good decision and people can get stuck there for perpetuity because they totally. don't, don't want to make the wrong decision what if I make the wrong decision yeah. If I make the wrong decision then I'm gonna be there for the rest of my life and I'm not gonna like it and oh my goodness like 100 uh, yeah and so instead yeah. you know thinking about this as a as a as a small experiment and then yep. deciding, hey, look, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to do this for I don't yep. know, a week, 30 days, yeah. 90, whatever. Totally. And totally. there's a defined end date if you want to look at it that way, then it becomes lower risk, uh, yep. both mentally to convince our brains that, hey, look, it's not it's it's not the end if it doesn't work out. But then exactly. two, to get that feed continue to have that feedback come in, which is one of the things that I love about what you're what you're saying here.
1: Yeah, 100 percent. And There's more that I want to want to share about that and something that you and I have, have talked about a little bit in the past is that there there are different ways that work can be personally meaningful for you. And there's four main categories. And, um, you know, we, we've we've talked about in the past and then I just wanted to, to share which I think are just a helpful framework as you think about this. Yeah. And so <clears throat> because I was a because I was a pastor, they all start with P because uh, that's of course that's how you that's how you, <laughs> that's how you do it in, <laughs> that's how you do in it that's how you do it pastor uh, land yeah in pastor land um with your pastor so pants first, the, you know, put on my pastor pants and my pastor hat um my, my pastor hat is actually a sombrero so uh, <laughs> even better so the first is the product of, of the work. Um, so that's really, you know, I think that's the one that I, that most people think about is like, what's the impact yeah. that you're having? What's the change that you're, you're making in the world? Um, but I like the word product because you can think of it in business terms, like what is the business making? What is the business doing? And that can be from a physical product. If your company's making a physical product that you really believe in, or maybe the problem that it's solving, like if it's a nonprofit or something that's, you know, solving, you know, um, uh, health, uh, health, health crisis or whatever it is, that's the, that's the product of, of, of the work so that so what is the product what is the end result of the work that you're doing the second category is the profit of the work and so what, that's really the question of like what is it what does it do for you or for your family and this is you know in the um, industrial revolution um this is you know the only aspect of work that was that was that was emphasized is that you just need to you just need to um, motivate your your labor force by giving them good a good job and and maybe some benefits um if if you're if you're a nice employer you know which we've come a long way since then but um so what's the profit and I think that's you know in some some of these conversations it can be uh it kind of goes one of two ways like some people are all about the profit and they just want to make money and other people like i have a heart to, like money is just this weird thing that i i am uncomfortable with you know being with my story of you know being in uh in, in ministry like all of the people that i went to school with as so i was studying for ministry we all kind of like had this like kind of a dichotomy around work and and money because we're all gearing up to to not make money um and so i've had to really adjust my my framework as starting my own businesses to to Really realize like it's okay to make money. It's actually good to, and necessary to make money because by by making money, I'm able to to from the thing that I that I that I love and that's that's making a good impact on the world. I'm able to do more of it and make a better impact. Um, and, but again, that's that's my stuff. But you might have your own stuff around, um, around the profit. So the first you have the product, what the work is doing, the end result. Second is is the profit, how how it's benefiting um, benefiting you. Third is the process. So it's the process of doing the work and this, um, I think the easiest example of this is just an artist who just loves to create, maybe you're a designer and, um, just when you're, when you're in end design, just totally focused on creating, uh, you know, whatever, whatever product, you know, whatever it is that, that you're, you're creating just that process that you just get lost in it. You get in this state of flow and it's just so good. And you just love that. Um, that's, that's important for you to note. Um, and then thirdly, or fourthly rather, so first is the product of the work, second is the profit of the work, third is the process of doing the work, and then fourth is the people that you do the work with to or for. And so um, you know, there a few categories here. One would be your coworkers that you just love um, love your coworkers. You love the people that you're working with. You love the sense of teamwork and camaraderie. Um, but maybe it's, it's your clients or customers or beneficiaries of, of your company and the people that, um, that are benefiting from that thing that you're making, or maybe it's your family and you, you know, you might not love the process of your work. You might not love the product of your work, but you have kids that you're putting through college and, um, and that's really important, um, and meaningful to you. Um, and, and so, uh, I I would never tell you that that's, not a meaningful endeavor to support support your family in that way. Um, so those are four four categories. and the best work, would you'd be able to go through this list and say, I love what the, 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 product of my work, the company that I'm doing, I love the work that we're doing in the world. I love that I'm, you know, getting paid a fair wage and I'm um, able to live a lifestyle that works for me. I love the process of doing it. It's fun. And I love the people like that's a, that's a dream job in my, in my book, if you can check off all four of those boxes. But the question, and here's the, the, the real application for you is, is right now in whatever, you know, w- your work uh, realm looks like, what, uh, how many of those categories do you feel like, you know, if you were to rate them like one to 10, 10 being like, this is super fulfilling and I love it. Um, where are you with, with each of those? And that'd give you a really good assessment of both where you are right now, as well as, um, some things that you could, you could um, work on changing, whether that's changing through a a change in your career or changing through maybe a lateral move within your company, um, or whatever, whatever it might be. And there's some great examples. I know I've been going on for a long time about this, Scott, but um, I, I'm, almost, I'm almost done. No, <laughs> I this read, is, this uh, is great. I read um, Ed Catmull's book, uh, Creativity Inc. Um, Ed Catmull is one of the um, founders of, of Pixar. And it's all about um, just the journey of Pixar. I, th- I think Pixar is a fascinating company and um, just a super creative um, company. And he talks about how his life goal was to create a digital digitally animated um movie that was his his life goal and he worked for years and years up to uh, like with that one goal in mind a very clear product like there's one thing that he was trying to create and so he had that one focus and then they he created Pixar and um, they released Toy Story and had it you know it was a smashing success but then all of a sudden like this one thing this one product that he was hoping to create, had been created. And he, he talks about this kind of, um, existential crisis, the kind of crises that, that I, I help people walk through in his life when he's like, I don't, I don't know what to do with my life because I've, I've done that one thing, that one thing that I set out to do, uh, but he goes on to to talk about how he really, you know, spent some time really thinking about it and really realized that he loved the company that he had helped he had helped create. He loved the people, he loved the process, he loved um, everything about it. And so he kind of expanded his vision of what his work was about to not just be about creating, a, you know, a digitally animated. Um, movies, but to be about creating a company where people love to come to work and um, where where it's fun and where you, you he can um, be on the cutting edge of of teamwork and creativity and and collaboration, um, which I just think is a great example of someone you're know, taking who is like ultra focused on one of these categories and then zooming out to to include um, include some of the others. Well, and I think that's how it really happens
0: for us in this thing we call real life too. Like we might be so focused on, and I know for me, it was, it was definitely the case too, where I was very, very focused on achieving in one particular area of my life and then kind of satisfied that. And then it's like, Oh my goodness. Now what? Yeah. <laughs> and for me, well, that then. area was my my career. I'd gone through and gotten an, a ton of promotions and job changes and raises and increases and all blah blah blah. And then <laughs> realized the geez, okay, I've been there, done that. Now what? Do I keep going down the track to VP of HR for you know this this other company? Or like, I don't yeah. really want that. So yeah, totally understand that. And I think that um people kind of check the boxes to some degree in one area or another, not everybody, um, but that is one thing we've seen again and again too. And then I, I really like the, what you said earlier about definition of a dream job. And yep, I really think that, you know, if you're thinking about this in terms of each of these categories, uh, your uh, product and profit and, and people and process, if you're thinking about it in each of those in terms of what do you value there and are those values aligning, then I mm-hmm. think that that can help you understand what uh, where the
1: disconnects are too and ultimately what you want yeah 100% 100% this and has think, been oh go ahead yeah you know, just well i just i just you know one just one thing on that is is yeah. that you know as you're talking about you know that you you reach that point where you had achieved all that all that you had to achieve um in uh, you, and we're just kind of you know maybe hit the ceiling in some ways um that's a super common experience. And I think that those are, those are the moments, those are the moments when people, <laughs> when people find my blog, um, and likely yours, yours as well, Scott, where people are like, well, I just did the thing that I've been on this quest to do my entire life. And now I don't know, like I'm, I'm literally lost, uh, figuratively lost, I should say. <laughs> um, and those I think those are super important moments. And they there's uh, a lot of really common ones, um, especially especially around family for people who are parents when your kids leave the house. Um, maybe it's, you know, often it's at some sort of t- career transition. Maybe it's when when you take you know, when you retire, maybe it's when you you know, uh, been in a job for a while that you always had the, your heart set on, maybe it's a few years out of college, but then you realize that that job isn't what it was cracked up to be. But we hit these, we hit these, these milestones and then we start wondering, so what, what do we, what do we do? And I think those are the, those are the conversations, um, that just get me fired up. And I love, I love those conversations. Um, and so I guess the the invitation there is to know if you're in one of those spaces, you're, you're not alone. That is a super common experience. Um, and I, I have a blog post, um, that I'd love to, to share about that. It's called, um, uh, the inciting incidents in your quest for calling, um, which I'll, I'll send you the link for that, Scott, if you'd um, yeah, absolutely. Please be, up, do. be up for sharing that with people, but just, just to give some context for thinking about when, like, what are those moments that you've been through, um, both, both in the past as well as, um, if, if they're on the horizon and, and, um, coming up. Very cool. This has been super helpful. And I
0: appreciate you. um, I appreciate you taking all this stuff that is so cloudy normally and breaking it down in such a way that we can begin to we can begin to navigate this path.
1: Yeah, this this is awesome. Yeah. Thank you. I, I mean, that's really what I I, I love I love doing, and uh, I I know that sometimes I can, you know, get really heady with it because I because I kind of geek out on it. But my goal is always to to make it as practical and actionable as possible. So I hope that I hope that that has come across um, to your listeners here. Yeah. Uh, a, c- a couple
0: other quick questions. First of all, people who have just absolutely loved what we're talking about, or they're in that space, where where can they find more more Dan? Where can they get yeah. more
1: Dan? <laughs> <laughs> so you can find me at TheMeaningMovement.com, um, where it's kind of the home base of, of all of my work. Um, I also have a podcast. Since you're listening to this in podcast form, you just search for search for my name in iTunes or just search for The Meaning Movement. You'll find The Meaning Movement podcast. I um, would love to have you follow along there. I ha- also have this free mini course called Five Clues to Your Calling um, that is just five quick questions. Um, they've delivered in an email format just to help you kind of start, start the process of of thinking thinking through um, some of this in, in your own life um, and just gives you some real practical, actionable items to, to write about, think about, talk about with friends and family. Um, and I have that set up just for um, HTYCers. Um, if you go to uh, themeetingmovement.com slash HTYC and you can get started. Awesome. Head on over there. I've actually gone through it myself, and
0: I was rather impressed with the exercises that uh, and the the emails that came along with it, too. It's very, very simple, easy to follow, and a great way to be able to get you started thinking about this drastically differently. And I want to say thank you because I know we've 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 spent even more time than what uh, what we'd anticipated, and thank you for giving giving us some extra time. Absolutely. And I can't wait to do dinner again.
1: Yes, let's do it. And I think, um, this is just super fun. And I, you know, I think we could go on for, for hours and hours. Um, but maybe we'll save that, save that for, uh, for (laughs) conversations over dinner. Um, but thank you so much, Scott, for just the chance to to hang out with you and, um, your audience really love, love what you're doing. Um, and, and, um, really grateful just for the chance to, to chat. It's always fun.
0: Hey, if you're ready to find work that fits you and is meaningful for you, just like we were talking about with Dan, then I want you to finally sign up for our eight-day Figure Out Your Career mini course to get clear on what you want in your new career. That way you can get heading that direction already. So if you're ready to create and live a life that's unapologetically you, go ahead and check that out. All you have to do is stop right now and text Just, you know, send us a little text, just text happen, H-A-P-P-E-N to 44222, or you can go to figureitout.co, that's figureitout.co, and just drop in your email, and we'll start sending you the emails for the course, and you'll get a different email and video every day with an action item to be able to take you through and get you started thinking about this quite a bit differently. Hey, thanks so much for taking the time and making the time and hanging out with us. It means an awful lot to us that you're choosing to spend your time right here. And I want to say thank you to all those folks that have gone and also taken the time to be able to share a little bit of feedback with us on Stitcher, on iTunes, and left us five-star reviews. So I want to say thank you so much for Katie McD leaving us five out of five stars. I do not have enough things to say about this podcast. She says the interviews are fantastic and the advice is helpful. We so appreciate that. You think so? I strongly recommend any and all tune in. All right. Hey. We would love your feedback too, and if you go over there, we would. We're, you might, hear, we might hear your review right on the podcast, right here. All right, we got so much more coming up for you next week on the Happen to Your Career Podcast. Take a listen to what's in store.
2: Well, you know, another thing too is people, it don't get it. It's like, well, what you're getting another job, or what you don't like your job again, or what? It, you know, it's just people don't get it and you know they're fortunate in that case that you know i I used to think i wish this was enough well fortunately for me it wasn't but you know people can just go to work and are fine but i was not one of those people i am not one of those people
0: all that and plenty more right here on happen to your career we'll see you next week until then i am out adios